Hello and welcome to Step Into Light. I'm Michelle Jones and I am excited I have my good friend Julie Gustafson here with me today. And welcome, Julie. Thank you. I'm Glad a, to be here. I am so excited <laughs> that you're here. Um, we are going to be studying this week in 2 Nephi chapters 6 through 10. And, you know, we're getting our first hint of Isaiah, which can be intimidating for most of us. He speaks, although I think a lot of his words are like poetically beautiful it's easy i think to get overwhelmed by um like the language and a lot of the references that just aren't as familiar to us as other parts of the book of mormon have you found that to be true julie i absolutely agree i feel like i do really good cruising through the book of mormon and then i start to hit the isaiah chapters and i it starts to feel a little sludgy because it just takes so much more effort to work through it so we are going to start out we're starting out with some of my favorite parts of isaiah though which are the parts of isaiah that teach about our savior so i i am looking forward to that um interestingly this section is where we first start to hear from Jacob. And Jacob is the son of Lehi, and he was born in the wilderness. And I was thinking about what a different upbringing he had than his other, than, than his other brothers. So Lehi and Nephi, they were raised in Jerusalem. You know, they're like, I don't know, I, I have, obviously I can just picture in my head how it was there, but they have neighbors, there's a community, there's a market to go to. They would go to um, like their, um, go to the temple. Like they had like these other examples in the community or other families they could kind of observe. And Jacob, he really didn't have that experience. He had his family with him and granted they started to grow. So there became a lot of them, but it was really his parents and siblings um, off basically doing come follow me in the wilderness right oh yeah all they're you know as they're studying there and when I put that together with all these things that Jacob is teaching and testifying of he essentially has the brass plates which contain you know parts of what we know of as the Old Testament perhaps more and the testimonies of his family and his own connection to God and I think that's like really beautiful that just with those things that he was able to really understand how God works with his children. And I love that. I love as I have started to embrace that more and trust that more in my life. I have realized there is so much power there in our direct connection to God as we learn in that way. Oh, absolutely. It makes me think too, I always put myself personally in, if I was Jacob, um, I look and think, I think I would rather have been raised in the wilderness maybe. Okay. <laughs> because it's simpler. It seems simpler to me. Um, however, you have to go on a lot of faith because all you're doing, you know, he's just hearing stories and going off of everything that he has heard and learned. And he has faith and loves Nephi and Lehi enough to to trust in and also his Savior or Heavenly Father to trust in, you know, that these things are true. This is what I'm missing. And then to build from there. Right. All the while hearing 
Lehman and Lemuel and some of the others murmuring constantly and 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 complaining about this place that they've never even been to before like right. what what is this Jerusalem that you are missing so much I don't even know what that is exactly. to have that commotion and so yeah I think that's a great point and interestingly you said putting yourself in the story one of the things so we're in chapter 6 verse 5 um Jacob says that um that we're going to read the things of Isaiah so that they can be likened unto us and so there we go. You're like right on the money there, Julie. Mm-hmm. So we have um, Jacob is going to share a bit about Jewish history, um, the gathering and scattering of Israel. And so that is what's going to unfold here in this chapter. Um, and kind of pulling that thread again, if, if we go down to chapter 9, he says um, that the, chapter nine or I, verse nine? Oh, sorry, verse, chapter 6, verse, verse 9. nine. Um, Jacob is sharing about, you know, the people in Jerusalem, they are being, they're, they're going to be taken captive, but then they'll be brought back. And he says, nevertheless, the Lord has shown unto me that they should return again. And then he uses that phrase again. And he also has shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel should manifest himself unto them in the flesh. And I thought, and it's interesting how it seems like through those words that Jacob, it, it isn't just something that he believed that his father told him. Because his father did testify that that's what would happen. And his brother testified that that's what would happen. And that that's not all that Jacob is telling us. He's not just being a witness for what Nephi said. Like, yes, that is what Nephi told me. But he's telling us that he was shown for himself that that's what it is. And what an interesting pattern. And that word shown to me means something in the way of a vision or something like that. Absolutely. I actually, um, I love that you said that because when I think of shown or I think of a vision, I think, um, you know, for myself personally, sometimes I'll say I can see these things. I can see like this is how this is going to turn out in my life. Like, mm. And it's hard for me to believe it sometimes. I'm like, would I have those blessings? Is that how that's going to go? But then I'm realizing that that is what the, the Lord is giving me peace and comfort and showing me, right? So maybe it's not this like vision of, you know, where I have this being coming and talking to me, but he's giving me kind of a, a preview of right. what's to come and to be able to trust that. And have faith in that. That I remember reading some uh, reading something about Joseph Smith and some of the different ways that he had visions, and one of them is um, literal, where the Savior and Heavenly Father, for example, in the first vision, literally came to Joseph Smith, right? So mm-hmm. he beheld that with his physical eyes. Yeah. But then there were many visions that Joseph Smith had that were with his spiritual eyes. That it was unfolded. You know, within his mind's eye, things were unfolded and he was able to see that. And it was interesting. It never occurred to me before that even Joseph Smith, who we think is being like the great seer of our, of this dispensation, that even he had visions that came in varying forms and ways. Absolutely. And I agree with you when we have these, this understanding or this revelation or these kind of visions in our mind that we see in our mind's eye at, at, when when we're pondering or thinking about something I wonder why it is easy to 
question it, to doubt it because it's not concrete. We can't put our hands on it. I can't say, Julie, did you see what I just saw? No, that's just was only for me, for my faith and my testimony. And I, I, I think there's a really important principle there. And I don't think it's by accident that, you know, the Book of Mormon we've been told specifically was curated, you know, Mormon like pulled from the scriptures, the things that we would need in our day. I mean, there was a lot that he could have put into this compilation for us. And we see so much this process of these good people who want to follow God learning how to know for themselves. It reminds me of what President Nelson is asking us to do and to get better and more comfortable with getting revelation for ourselves on what to do. It reminds me of a phrase that you use, which is um, like spiritual self-reliance. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've, I've heard you speak to that before, that that's part of what we're doing now. Absolutely. Is learning how to step into that. I have one more thought on that too. Yeah. As um, When I thought of this with Jacob... And I'm not exactly sure where in here it talks about, but um, when he talks about his people and this anxiety that he feels for his people, I think too, like for me, that breaks down like, am I daydreaming or is this something that I should be planning on or thinking about or be concerned about? And I think that when there's an emotion attached to it, it's probably more coming from my Heavenly Father something that I should ponder and be planning and Mm. looking forward to where if I'm just daydreaming, then it's like, Oh, I won the lottery. What would I do with the money? Right. That's the, there's not a lot of, I mean, other than probably excitement, but yeah, (laughs) unless I actually won the lottery, I'm not going to have excitement, but does that make sense? Like I, I feel like sometimes that with, you know, him saying it was shown to me, there's like, to me, there's a difference Mm. You know, like it 100%. comes the same way, which is like you're daydreaming or like this thought comes. This is just me personally. But if there's an emotion with it and I feel an urgency or, you know, or an excitement or whatever I feel towards it, that's probably something I should pay a little more attention to. Yes. And I, I think that you've hit on something like super important that learning for each one of us what it like how we know like how we can sort or discern for ourselves what is coming from the Lord and what is not mm-hmm. is like vitally important. That's it like one of the most important things we can do while we're important. here yes. is learn how to sort that out day by day. And the more that I begin to embrace that the Lord can communicate with me, the more I realize that things that I sort of brushed aside before were that the Lord was communicating with me more than I wanted to give credit for because I had a tendency to say, who am I to right. get this thought or this revelation or this instruction? I'm sure that was nothing and just move on with my daily life. And not to say every thought I have is inspired by any means, but I think that when we are striving, and and sometimes I don't like that word because I think it makes it feel like I have to be like effort every second. Mm-hmm. But I think when we are facing the Lord, when we are moving toward him, that the Lord is going to communicate with us. And the more that we begin to acknowledge that, then the more clear it will be and the more confident we will be in that communication from him. Have you found that to be true, Julie? Absolutely. 100%. I 100% agree with that. 
So we move on. And one of the things I think is interesting, they, he talks about in verse, sort of at the verse 11, he talks about how the people of Israel, they're going to be persecuted and things are going to be hard for them. They're going to be scattered and smitten and hated. And he says, nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them that when they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again. And one of the things that stood out to me there is a reminder to myself to be careful not to judge. Mm -hmm. Because it would be very easy to look at his description here of these Jews and, you know, they're making these bad choices, the people of Israel, you know, as they've been scattered everywhere. But the Lord, he's going to be merciful with them if they turn to him. Mm -hmm. And so who am I to make my own assessment on where they are at any moment? Not just, not not specifically the people of Israel, just anybody, right? Um, and I think that that's, I don't know why that's a human tendency, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's a human tendency that we have to fight to overcome that n- impulse to sort of assess where everyone else is. And like make, I don't know, I guess assess is the main word that comes to my mind. Have you noticed that that's true, Julie? I have. I actually, it's bringing me back to, I have this thought that, um, cause I watched, you know, I, I love to watch what everyone does on these different YouTubes and podcasts. And, and I liked, um, that they talk about that God is always there, mm. right? He's always there. He knows what we're, what we're doing. He's, he, he's here. He's over us. He's always accessible. It's us that ebb and flow, come back, you know, and come back to him. So hopefully our relationship with him is strong enough um, to always come back. And I think the thing is that he does know that. And so it isn't for us to judge anyone else. They have their own paths and different things. And so, I mean, to me, I look and think, yeah, they're scattered and they're, you know, on their, their ways, but Hopefully they come back to him and he knows whether or not they will. And the and the beautiful thing about all of this being orchestrated by a heavenly father is that he loves us and he knows what we need. Mm-hmm. If there is any path that will bring us back to him, he knows what it is and he knows how to put things in motion for us to be on that path. Absolutely. And what, I agree. Like what a comfort, not only for me personally, but as a mother, that's a big comfort for Huge. me as well, to know that he knows my children, and he knows if there's any path that's going to bring them back to him, he know, he, he already knows what it is. I totally agree with that. And I it's love already that. There. And I love that you brought that up. I'm going to come down. He said, um, so in chapter seven right at the beginning it comes back to what you just said julie the lord says um have i put thee away or have i cast thee off forever and then where is the bill of your mother's divorcement like show me in what way i have put you aside to whom have i put thee away or to which creditors have i sold you yea to whom have i sold you so people who feel like god has abandoned them right he's saying who have i abandoned you to who would i give you to like what evidence do you have that I'm not right here for you? Behold, for your iniquities, ye have sold yourselves. And I thought, oh, that, oh that's, I, yeah. so, that's so powerful. And, the, you know, the Lord doesn't cast us off. We cast ourselves away from him. Absolutely. He's, he's always there, ready. He's just, he is a blessing. He is peace. 
that that's all he is that's where i come always when it comes back for me for, in in any scriptures that i'm reading but that god is only good mm. so when people say um why did god do this why did he let this happen well we're in an imperfect world this is you know this is satan's world so the bad things are not from god he's waiting to pull us out he's waiting right. to give us peace he's waiting to help us through the process and so that's what i think for me that's where i always go back is that god is only good and if you look for that if you look for where god's goodness is you will find it exactly which will bring you peace right which is very straightforward and yet can be challenging to do when you're mired in negative feelings or surrounded by discouragement or other things like that. Which is why, you know, there's this beautiful imagery. I'm going to move forward to um, verses 10 and 11 in chapter 7. Um, because I think that that's why this imagery of the Lord being our light is so important. He's so the, I'm going to read the verses who is among you that feareth the Lord that obeyeth the voice of his servant that walketh in darkness and hath no light. Behold, all ye that kindle the, that, that, that kindle fire that compass yourselves or surround yourselves about with sparks walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks which ye have kindled. And that that sort of distinction of being able to recognize if you're following the Lord, then you're going to be following his light. His light is the one that you're going to be anchored to. He's going to be where you can look to find clarity, direction, to cut through. I guess clarity is my favorite word. I feel like confusion is such a common struggle of our day. Mm -hmm. There's so much confusion about so many things. And when I feel the least confusion is when my eyes are directly on the Savior. If I'm directly on his light and on the Savior, there's no confusion. Mm -mm. But as soon as I start drifting away, and I just thought that was funny, to walk in the light of your own fire. How often do we do that? All the time. I think that's default. Like We have to constantly redirect our focus back to the Savior to get that clarity that we're seeking for. I think we complicate things so much sometimes like it's so simple you know being with god and getting to god is so simple he has it written out for us he's told us over and over how to get back to him and it's very simple and we want to complicate it we want to add you know we listen we hear a friend or a family member with their their opinions about you know where they've gone in and you know the way that they see things or whatever their own fire they've created and we jump in that fire instead of trusting the Lord. And I wonder if part of what makes it, part of what makes that such a, so I've noticed that we cannot direct ourselves to the Lord just one time. That, the, that just because of the veil, because we're here experiencing mortality, we have to refocus on the Savior for sure daily, but often hourly multiple times throughout the day in order to keep that focus and so i wonder if the reason why we begin to follow our own fire is because it doesn't it takes a lot of redirection to keep following the savior and Mm -hmm. i wonder if that makes people feel like it's complicated 
I think so. Because of the repetition. Mm -hmm. Because anything that's just repetitious, maybe it's just boring or it feels like it's pointless. I should know more. I, there or, should be more. There should, or yeah. or even like I just think of like this is maybe not a great analogy, but I think of doing the dishes. Like I have to do that every day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean doing the dishes isn't a good idea. Otherwise, my kitchen would be stinky and we'd have no dishes to eat off of, right? Absolutely. But it's like something that I have to do every single day, and even though it needs to get redone the next day, but it but it is like a mundane chore, right? To just like do yeah, that just every single day and. I wonder if that repetition is part of what makes people reluctant to just keep doing it again and again and again and again, even though that's all we need to do. If right. we are willing to just keep refocusing, it reminds me of we were on a sailboat um, in San Diego in the bay, and the pilot, captain, whatever, the person who knew how to keep us from crashing, yeah. <laughs> the captain of the sailboat, was teaching my kids how to steer the ship by the com- the boat by the compass, and so the compass was there. And as the wind would pick up the sails, you know, they it was a constant readjustment all the time, just shifting, 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 always making sure that you were still pointing toward where you wanted to go. And I think that that's what this life is this journey is just constantly refocusing back on him i agree i my my brain goes to like as you talk about that you know here you have a compass and the compass is telling you this is where to go Mm -hmm. and you're always going to have someone on the boat that's going yeah but i swear like we went that way last time right and we should go this way and there was this beautiful waterfall and there was this you know and all of this stuff and then everyone starts to doubt the compass because mm. it's like well i want to see the waterfall or i want to you know like maybe that is a better way we should go that way or may or maybe even more accurately you just doubt that you're reading the compass correctly that too yeah maybe maybe it's steering me wrong maybe it's not that maybe i just didn't look at that quite right and i'm sure that i must have been mistaken otherwise everyone else would have seen what i saw and agreed with me on it too exactly yeah, i can totally see that so moving into chapter eight, I I just had a good time. There's a lot of good action words in here, and I circled them. So we have like, hearken unto me a few different times, lift up your eyes, awake, awake, put on strength. And like, as we dive into that, I love that the Lord is not just telling us, here's some information like a little bedtime story. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. I'm just going to tell you some nice things that'll make you feel tuck happy you and tuck you in for your little stay in mortality. No, he's giving us actions, things that we can do. That like following the Lord doesn't mean that we're just passively sitting on our chair Mm-mm. looking at him but not doing anything. That we get to do and act and use our agency as we're following him too. Absolutely. So in verse... So we start out in verse one, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. So I feel like, okay, I'm going to follow that person into battle. Like that sounds mm-hmm. exciting. Let's go. Um, in verse three, for the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will make her wilderness like Eden. And I find that very hopeful and kind of exciting, mm-hmm. actually. I like Because that too. there's a lot of mortality that can honestly feel like a wilderness. Mm-hmm. There are some tedious parts to our experience here. And to know 
that the Lord, through his grace and his mercy and the miracle of the atonement, that he can help transform these wilderness experiences into an Eden for us. That's pretty fantastic. Oh, I love that. So then we continue on in verse 4. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me. And then verse 6, lift up your eyes. And isn't that interesting, the difference between if you even notice somebody, if they are, maybe they are on a trip or they are somewhere and their head is just down and they're maybe just looking down at the path in front of them what a difference it is in their experience when they lift up their eyes and are able to look up and take in everything that is around them. I wonder if that's like we when we're here on earth, you know, there's a lot of things going on at once all mm-hmm. the time. So we've got all of these temporal things happening. And then there are also spiritual things happening all at the same time. And to a certain extent, we notice what we focus on. Mm-hmm. And that we can, like, I think figuratively, if we're looking down at the ground, like we're so worried about these earthly things that we don't even notice the spiritual, like, Mm -hmm. miracles that are happening around us all the time. Because I know, Julie, that you have seen, and I have too in the work that we do, there are miracles happening around us every single day. Every day. And if we don't lift up our eyes to see them, then we won't even know that they're there. No, I think we are so afraid we're going to fumble that we just look down and just stay. Okay, I'm just going to stay on the path. I don't want to trip over anything. I don't want to step on anything that we're not appreciating the things around us. And yeah. I totally agree with that, I think. Um, so one of the questions that I had for the two of us was, how do we hearken to the Lord in our day? Like hearken isn't a word that we use very much. To me, hearken is like a combination between like listen and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Like don't just like like listen to what I'm saying and then go and do. So I was thinking, how 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 does that work in our day? How do we hearken to him? Like in in my life, I think of it as being like, how do I personally try to do it? I try to first of all put myself in a position where I'm hearing what he's telling me. Mm-hmm. Like to recognize that the Lord has things that he will tell me and guide me. And the first thing I need to do is get quiet enough, often enough, even if it's just once a day, so that I can hear what he wants to tell me. I agree. I think for me, um, I agree with every word you just said. I think that an action for me is that to have a desire to know what he, for my day, it would be, right? the living prophet today what president nelson and his direction and am i taking part in that like am i you know did i ask who i was before i came here and what my plan was here just like he asked me to do did i did i actually do that and have faith that i would get an answer to that and be guided or did i just sit and go well i listened to the prophet right or did i act i you know same thing, you know, mm. just every day I like to just, as I'm getting ready, listen to conference talks. And I feel like there's something different every day, right? And I, but I need to hear that thing for that day. Because as I am walking through life or I'm meeting with people, I realize that, oh my gosh, that totally pertains to what I was listening to today. Or even, you know, going to, you and I go to lunch and we sit and talk and, you know, and I'll, you'll, I'll learn something from you 
that's so key to not just my life, but maybe to someone else that's going to help someone else in their family and with their children and in their life. So are we putting ourselves out there? Are we listening? Are we able to listen to what someone else has gone through and is going through and their journey to learn from that every day? Which is like a give and take because it involves not only hearkening, which is like the willingness to listen and take in when Mm -hmm. the spirit is saying, this is truth, listen. But it also involves a vulnerability, like in the example, like for me to be willing during a lunch to be really open and share my testimony with you, something that I've learned and that the Lord has revealed to me. Like that's a really beautiful give and take that I think we have to be willing to push through the initial discomfort of doing something we're not used to Mm -hmm. in order to start to really reap those benefits to it. The other thing that I have found that has been so key, like as we're talking about visions and the the Savior being our light and not casting ourselves away from him, is I just want to come back to that because I just, I don't know, it just is like stuck in my head a little bit. The finding the space to be quiet. It's interesting, you know, talking whether like mindfulness is probably the big kind of the most common phrase used right now but there's so many things that it could be but that I have noticed is a significant difference in my active connection to the Lord how much I'm taking the time to like commune with him Mm -hmm. to to be connected with him to seek guidance from him I don't know if you have found that to be a really Key, key part for you if that's Michelle specific but oh no I that's definitely it. not Michelle specific I totally agree with that I lo- so I think that that is something that I have continued to recognize that not only is it great for things like anxiety and mm-hmm. you know all, all of these things that the mindfulness community would teach but it has also been key toward me finding like that really key piece that I have too Okay, so moving along, we have um, in verse 9 of chapter 8, Awake and put on my strength. And then verse 11, The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy and holiness shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away. And this is some of the parts of Isaiah that are my favorite because it's just beautiful. The way that he phrases it makes my heart yearn to be there. Me too. I love it. Um, In verse 12, um, I think if I were to only read and know and fully understand one truth in all of this today, this may have been it. Verse 12, the Lord says, I am he, yea, I am he that comforteth you. There's so much there, not only that he's declaring that he is the Lord, but that one of his many roles, the, the, the creator of all things, the master creator of the universe is he that will comfort me mm-hmm. and you individually. Um, okay, so... Then moving into chapter 15, we have um, verse 15. 15. Thank you. (laughs) Um, 
we have that the Lord, he says that I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, behold, thou art my people. So I was picturing this, right? Like I have a, I am not a gardener because I don't know, that hasn't ever been something that has become a priority for me to put attention to. But I have a good friend who's a gardener, like a master gardener. She's amazing. And I was thinking, like I could picture in her garden, like, like okay, if you had these like tender little seeds that you were trying to grow, and here in Arizona, which is where we're recording from, in the heat of summer is very hot. Mm-hmm. And thinking of, you know, little seeds trying to grow in that heat, right? And how if you could just create a little shadow just with your hand to create a little shadow over those seeds so that they have that like little insulation and protection and also that would work in extreme cold too right we cover up our plants so they don't freeze Mm -hmm. I mean I'm assuming because again I'm not a gardener me either but (laughs) I would thought how tender that is that that we're covered not just with like a tarp thrown over us but with Mm. the shadow of my hand that he uses his hand to help nurture us um okay any other thoughts if i if i skip down to verse 24 are you okay or did you have any thoughts in there okay good so in verse 24 um awake awake put on thy strength o zion put on thy beautiful garments and i think that they're beautiful because they're made white in the atonement Mm -hmm. and i love that um, okay, then chapter nine, which is amazing. I was thinking chapter nine could really be if 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 all people had of the Book of Mormon was chapter nine, and now you can correct me if you think that like there's more, but it really has the whole plan of salvation in there. Oh, it does. It has everything that you really need to know, and what a beautiful gift that is that it's so clear and laid out. So now we're we're done with Isaiah for it. For a minute and now Jacob is speaking to us and he says I speak unto you these things that ye may rejoice and lift up your heads forever because of the blessings which the Lord God shall bestow upon your children and in verse 4 for I know that ye have searched much many of you to know of things to come and I and isn't that an interesting thought that he know like that he could sense he knew the spirit told him that it wasn't just that Jacob wanted to teach the people or that the Lord wanted to teach the people, but that the people wanted to know mm-hmm. that they'd been searching, they'd been asking, they'd been petitioning the Lord. And so the Lord directed Jacob, this is what you want, this is what they need to know and what they want to know and what they yearn to be taught. So that is a really beautiful pattern. Um, okay, so then we really just start stepping through and jump in whenever something mm-hmm. has stood out to you. But we just start stepping through things that we know about this experience here on earth and how it fits into, like, if we think of this time on earth as being part of our puzzle of our whole existence, it does connect to the time before we came to this earth and the time that is yet to come when we are resurrected. And in some ways, I feel like this chapter starts showing us how these puzzle pieces connect together. So we talk about death in verse six, that that is passed to all men to fulfill the merciful plan, right? We're not stuck here Mm -mm. in mortality forever. And although death is something that is, can be very fearful because 
we are born here in bodies that want to stay alive. And so although death can be very fearful, it's actually very merciful that we're not here in this mortal fallen state forever. Right. There, There is a point when this part of our assignment is done and we get to move on to the next part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of that there's a that there needs to be a power of resurrection and one of the key parts that i think that he comes to is that all of these things happened because we were cut off from the presence of the lord like basically that's what the fall was the fall separated us from god and so that's why we need the infinite atonement right the savior connects us back to the to god to heaven to our divinity because we've been cut off from it. And I feel like that pattern, like we see it as this big overarching pattern of yes, we've come to earth, we're in a fallen state. So on a very large level, we are separated from God. We literally can't see him right now, you know, here on earth with us. But I think in our day-to-day life, that's true as well. We have these little things that cut us off from the Lord. And what is our path to get reconnected to him? I think that's what's unfolding here. And of course, it all comes back to the Savior. Mm-hmm. He's the one that connects us back to it. Um, so then in verse 10, um, Oh, how great the goodness of our God, who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster. So talking about death and hell and separation from God, that there is a plan. Mm-hmm. How great the goodness of it is that this is what it is. Um, and then in verse 12, the bodies and the spirits of men will be restored one to another and through that resurrection. So as we go through, we see again, oh, how great the plan of our God. Verse 17, oh, the greatness and justice of our God. Like there's just so much praise happening in here. And I and part of that must be because Jacob has experienced this. He's experienced through the Savior being able to be reconnected to God. Mm-hmm. And when we have that experience where we are able to become not cut off from the Lord, our heart is full of so much joy that we just want to be mm-hmm. so thankful and talk about it and share it. Absolutely. We're, we're full. When you feel that truth, I feel like he just, he he absolutely felt the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, all of this comes because of our Savior in verse um, 21. And he cometh into the world that he may save all men, if they will hearken unto his voice. For behold, he suffereth the pains of all men, yea, the pains of every living creature, both men, women, and children, who belong to the family of Adam. So here we have just Jacob just sharing so plainly for the people who yearn to know and to understand how how is this that they can be connected to God because our 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 savior our beloved brother is going to come for every single one of us and make that connection possible. The atonement satisfieth the demands of justice upon all who have not the law okay yes so sorry verse 26 the atonement satisfieth the demands of justice and they are restored to that god who gave them breath mm-hmm. there was something that. really profound about that part of the verse that i loved i know that you and i julie have had conversations about breath before and part of how that connects us to god but 
that promise that we have that we will be restored back to the God that gave us life Mm -hmm. is a phrase that brings me a lot of comfort. Uh, It totally brings me comfort also. Um, Okay, so now we have a lot of little sort of instructions that we're going to say. And really, the, the this is Jacob is saying, here's this grand, beautiful plan that God has for us. There's the Savior that's going to connect us back up to him. But now I need to tell you something. There's There's this evil one, and he has these cunning plans. And he has all these little distractions. Not little. Some of them are very big. But they're cunning. They're they're not, you know, the, the, these aren't childish little things. They are very difficult to see if we are not really trying to keep clarity about them. Um, he said, and, and he speaks about things that will be a struggle for us. And I remind myself again that these are things that were written specifically for us. Like they were saved for our day. So in verse 28, um, when they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not to the counsel of God. For they set it aside, supposing that they know of themselves. And 29, to be learned is good if they hearken unto the counsels of God. And I wonder if this is a weakness that is particularly strong in this time. I totally think it is. Because we have so much access to information. Mm-hmm. An overabundance of information. And and that's where I feel like people get lost. Is It's fine to have information, um, but stay to the truths, the simplicity of the gospel and what's written in our scripture and what comes from our living prophet. Because I feel like people get are very smart and they can, you know, I, I envy it. They can go through the scriptures. I mean, even just like you, you can go through the scriptures and it's just very understood and it's very fluent. And so you want more. Mm. Um, I see so many people wanting more. Well, there's something very satisfying about it. Like mm-hmm. I will speak like, like, oh, I understood that. That that makes me f- like that. Gives me a little power. A little. It does. And it it's just satisfying yeah. to feel like I. it's like an accomplishment of some sort, right? And so what is the key then for us as we are in this era where we can Google anything in 10 seconds? And if it takes longer than that, we're probably complaining about our internet connection. What do you think is the key to make sure that we are coming back to the Lord? Humility and the pride cycle, I think, is just always keeping our pride in check. Is what I think and what I came up with did I actually go to the Lord about it? Did I say, this is how I'm feeling about it? What do you think? Or am I just like, yep, I was just supposed to know that and now I know it and I'm the smartest person and I'm going to, you know, get all these people to follow that. Right. <laughs> Where just conversing and saying, wow, I found this. What do you think about that? There's a difference. There's a difference in that. And I think. Conversing with the Lord, you mean? Well, definitely. Well, I think just conversing in general with people. So if I'm, you know, I find something and I, and all of a sudden and I'm excited about it, where do I go with that? First of all, I should go to the Lord with it and say, is, am I right? And then as I share it, am I sharing it with humility? You know, like, hey, this True. is what I saw. 
right? And, or am I and saying, I look, that, yeah. or I'm going, look what I found. This is the truth. This is the, you know, like, right. to me, that's the difference between, you know. Which, which makes me think as a mother, when I think of my children, when they might come and tell me something, there's a difference between saying, Mom, I heard this, but I'm not really sure. What do you think about it? Mm -hmm. And I'll say, oh, that's a really interesting... I've never thought about it that way, but here's what I do know and how how this could connect, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just like me as a mortal mother. Like how much greater is our Heavenly Father going to be able to direct us? But then I think, you know, every once in a while, maybe I've had a child who comes and they say, no, no, that's not what my teacher said. My teacher said... I mean, I can just Uh think of this exact thing. Oh, totally. I'm like, no, Becca, it's fine. Now I... So I just called that a kid, but she's my youngest. So she's the one that's most recently would have done this. Like, no, I'm not allowed to carry that that way. And I said, no, no, it's fine because no, no, my teacher said, like, I know. I already know. And I'm not interested in what you have to say because I already know from this other source. Because I know. Yes, I love I know. And I, and I have to (laughs) laugh because as much as I can feel so frustrated at some of this stubbornness in our children, I think... That we are all that stubborn child with our heavenly parents if we're not careful. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, when I think of, um, when I read the scriptures, especially like in this account, I look and think, you know, having wisdom is absolutely a gift. Mm. There, you know, like that's a gift to be able to, to study and learn and write. Like to some people, the, the information they're able to retain is a gift. A hundred percent. And understand. And so it's interesting how the evil can twist even something so good. And I think that's what we forget. He will take any gift. We always think it's some big negative thing, but he'll take the best thing about us and twist it. It's very confusing. We have to remember that he's there to do that. Which is why even more important or why it emphasizes how important it is what we talked about earlier in the podcast, which is... We just have to keep refocusing on him every day, hour by hour. We just have to keep refocusing on him Mm -hmm. because Satan would have us think we don't need to be doing that. Nope. I think the biggest win for Satan is if he convinces us that we don't need to check in with the Lord. Absolutely. And that he doesn't exist. True. That the evil doesn't exist because it absolutely does. Yes. Um, Okay. And then we have this truth coming here, which is talking about, you know, we do have these choices and this is going to come again, but essentially remembering, and sometimes it feels to me kind of harsh, but maybe the right word is clear. It's just clear. There are things that are carnal and sensual and there are things that are spiritual and of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that Satan would have us feel uncomfortable sort of saying that like it is mm-hmm. well there's still you know yeah. the gray area is yeah. there right but really the lord can help us to know and again it's not for us to assess that for anybody else Mm-mm. he can only help us to assess for our own just selves for us. just it. for like me yes. my own individual self if what I'm pursuing, what is my intention and what is it going to bring me closer toward, mm-hmm. toward that path? Um, in verse 41, um, this is also one of those really comforting verses to me, um, talking about the path back to the Lord. 
He says, remember that his paths, the Lord's paths are righteous. The way for man is narrow, but it lieth in a straight course before him. And this is the part that I love. The keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel, and he employeth no servant there. So he's not putting somebody else there Mm -mm. to greet us or to welcome us or to help us find our way to the gate. He himself is the one that will be there to guide us into that place. And I love that idea. Um, Okay, so moving forward into verse 45, I just liked the visuals. Shake off the chains of him who would bind you fast. That's something I can really picture in my Mm -hmm. head. Me too. But come unto that God who is the rock of your salvation. Just that steadfastness. So this verse, in verse 46 at the end, they were saying, make sure that you are not this person, that you may not remember this and kind of call this out. Holy, holy are thy judgments, O Lord God Almighty. But I know my guilt. I transgress thy law, and my transgressions are mine. And the devil hath obtained me, that I am a prey to his awful misery. And as I read that, I recognize that that is 100% of us, if not for the Savior. Mm -hmm. The only reason why we are not all under that heavy weight is because the Savior is there. Mm -hmm. And that's the only difference between whether we are under that or not. I agree. So I love that. I also love this idea in verse 50 where he talks about that the things that he has for us Come, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy buy wine and milk without money and without price. How would that be? Right? (laughs) Like, it's actually like a huge dream of mine just to not worry about money one way or the other. I don't necessarily need to be, like, rich. Mm -mm. I just think it'd be pretty awesome to live in a world where money wasn't an issue. Everyone just had what they needed, which I think, I don't know if that's, like... I'm not going to get political on any level with that. I'm thinking it supersedes what any political structure could do. This yeah. is the millennium that we're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but I yearn for that. And there are ways in which the Lord offers us those things now. Mm-hmm. So although my, because I'm human, like my first thought comes to that with like, food and clothing for my children and right like medicines like all these things that we like I literally have to get out my my debit card and use for these items but the things that the Lord offers us now without money and without is being close to him being Mm -hmm. connected to him his son yep he offered us his son it's amazing. It's it really is. I just want to talk about Jesus with you all day. Can we I just know. do that? I oh, know. I would love it. He's my favorite, so I love talking about him. Me too. Um. Okay. So as we go through, there was another thing that he reminds them that the people in Jerusalem. Part of what is going to be really challenging for them. So we're in verse chapter ten. I'm sure about my chapters now. <laughs> chapter ten. <laughs> verse 5 talks about how the people in Jerusalem will stiffen their necks against him. I think we've touched upon, you know, what makes us do that already, but I thought that that was worth saying. Um, And again, he says, the Lord says, but even though they didn't recognize me when I came, when the day cometh that they shall believe in me, I will gather them in. Mm -hmm. He's always there. Like, Like those very same people who rejected him 
He'll always love them. When they're ready to recognize him, he's ready to gather them. Yep. He just stands ready. I think that's one of the things that impresses on my mind. It's a really strong impression that I have of the Savior is that he's not in a rush. He's not impatient. He's just always in readiness to accept us whenever we choose to turn to him. Uh, Absolutely. I love that. Um, So then I just want to wrap up toward the end. There's just a lot of really great things here in verses 20 through 23, I guess. I really enjoyed, unless there was something you wanted to pull out in, in advance of that, Julie. Um, he says, And now, my beloved brethren, seeing that our merciful God has given us so great knowledge concerning these things, let us remember him and lay aside our sins. And really, any of us that have been able to read these chapters are in that category that the merciful God has given us so great knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And then verse 21, there must needs be more than this, and they are inhabited. Oh, so then he's talking about the, the isles of the sea, which was interesting to me. There are, so he talks about how, you know, they are on an isle of the sea, that they've been sent to the promised land. They've been told that they are on this isle of the sea. You know, maybe a big continent is an isle too. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. and he says, But we know that there are more than this, that there are more isles than us, and that they are also inhabited by our brethren. And verse 22, the Lord remembereth them all. He does. He knows every single one. Um, And verse 23 um, is sort of his closing words as he is finishing this out. He says, therefore, cheer up your hearts. Remember, you are free to act for yourselves, to choose the way of everlasting death or the way of eternal life. Wherefore, reconcile yourselves to God. And I looked up the word reconcile because it really stood out to me. And other words that you could put in there are balance or attune or harmonize, which I'm not very musical either. Now we've learned that I'm not a gardener and I'm not very musical. Mm, that's but, why we're friends. I don't I'm know. Neither either. <laughs> yeah. But I thought if we can sort of balance ourselves, that the Lord has this constant surety in our life and really we get to choose how to use our agency to bring ourselves in balance with his teachings like we get to choose that Mm -hmm. what that looks like the pace of it the whole thing that's all our choice and ending with through the grace of god that ye are saved so for jacob's first teachings here in the book of mormon I felt like I was very um, grateful for how much he shared of the things that he had spent so much effort and time to learn and to understand that he had a desire then to share that forth to the next people. I agree. I think I love that about him. Um, And I love to see that in people even today. There are people who just truly have that testimony, that faith that he did. And when they freely share it with others, all benefit from it. Everyone does. And you can feel it. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I agree. Well, thank you for joining us to study Jacob today. Well, 2 Nephi, but the prophet Jacob within 2 Nephi. So thank you, Julie. Thank you.